This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And this is Mike, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Thanks for downloading this episode. Just wanted to let you know that if this is your first time downloading uh, the podcast, this is actually our second episode devoted to 2014 and movies. Uh, the first part was released last week, and you can find it in the show notes or wherever you found this episode. Uh, in it, we talk about our worst movies of 2014 and some viewing stats and some general stats. Uh, this episode is about the best movies of 2014, and uh, it's going to start in progress. So enjoy, and thank you for listening. Uh, and now we're going to let's let's put this stuff behind us. Yes, let's get to let's... the talk about the good stuff. Yeah, this right here. This is what I've waited all year to talk about. <laughs> we're at the halfway mark of the episode. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully not. Maybe it'll be even longer. So no. if you didn't care about the other. Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> um, so what we're gonna do really quick is we're we're kind of just gonna go around and and name you know uh, one to five honorable mentions before we we keep go, we go back to the round robin uh, ten to one. So mm -hmm. I'll go first if that's cool with you guys. Yep. Yeah. Here are my honorable mentions for 2014, um, and I'll go even descending order, but they don't they don't really count. Uh, I, I didn't number them. Um, <clears throat> one of my honorable mentions is The Theory of Everything. I saw this really late in the game. In fact, I didn't even mm -hmm. see it in 2014. I saw it a couple of days ago in theaters. And I really, really, really enjoyed it. Um, I've said it to the guys in the pod chat, and I'll, and I'll say it here officially. He is – Eddie Redmayne is my pick for best actor and deserves it so hard. Oh, yeah. um, this movie, I think, would have been higher. We'll, we're actually going to talk about this movie later on. I, I won't tell you why, mm -hmm. uh, listeners. But uh, I, I think it played it a little safe at times, and so it, it, it didn't make it on my top ten. But it was a really, really enjoyable experience. Um, X-Men Days of Future Past is always on there and I, or is on honorable mentions now. And I can't tell you exactly why I rated this movie so low. Like on paper, it's the perfect top ten movie for me. Uh, State-of-the-art special effects. Movie had time travel <laughs> <laughs> my two favorite x-men rogue and cyclops returned to the franchise and cameos sorry about the spoiler alert uh and mcavoy and fassbender were amazing as always but there's only room for so many superhero movies on my list and as you'll see that's they're there um for me, I think with Days of Future Past, the climax lacked uh, the same emotional punch that First Class had, so I can't help but hold that against it. But still, I'm really excited for Age of Apocalypse. Uh, my next honorable mention is Neighbors. Um, I'll Spoiler alert on this, there's no other comedies on my top ten list, which I'm kind of surprised and disappointed about, but Neighbors for me was the best comedy of the year uh, because it had Zac Efron's abs. My final <laughs> honorable mention is Edge of Tomorrow, and I would have loved to have included on this uh, included this movie on my list, but um, just the ending for me, I, I couldn't reconcile the ending. I couldn't find a way uh, around that ending. So 
Um, I, I have a feeling it's a movie I'll remember. A lot of people were talking about this movie for good reason, and, and it deserves to be on a lot of people's top ten list, but I just I just couldn't put it on mine. So there you go. Sweet. Nice. Tiny, how about yours? Um, I have eight of them, but I won't go into into <laughs> depth on any of them, really. Um, and there are no particular order, not really. Um, the first one I'll mention is The Edge of Tomorrow, which is probably my number 11. Um, it just kind of was missing something. The ending was a little iffy. We talked about it. Um, then uh, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes is another honorable mention. Um, it By all rights, it should be in my top 10, but I think I just – I already have so many – spoiler alert – I already have so many big blockbusters in my top 10 that I almost felt bad putting another one in there. Um, but it's a- absolutely worthy of a top 10 mention. So um, <coughs> I origins, which we didn't talk about much on the podcast, but a little bit mm-hmm. um, again, could have been a top 10. It's just such a, such a great idea for a movie. And I love what uh, that filmmaker is doing. I can't remember his name. <laughs> uh, oh, he also did the movie, another earth, um, yeah. which has some of the same actors, but um, definitely check that out. Men, women and children. I thought it was a great movie, um, but it just it was missing something. I think it was. I really can't put my finger on what I well what it's missing, but really good movie nonetheless. Um, Print the legend, which is a documentary I talked about in our previous episode. Mm-hmm. Um, really fun, just a just a, what a documentary should be. Um, the Lego Movie had a great time with it. Um, I wanted I wanted to put an animated movie somewhere. I wanted to mention one somewhere. I think this was my favorite of the year. Um, I love the comedy in it. Uh, Neighbors was really good. I loved it in the theater, but when I watched it again, the the jokes just didn't really have staying power. Um, and then lastly, the theory of everything, which which Mike mentioned, um, totally agree with Eddie Redmayne. He's right now he's my number one choice for you know the Oscar for best actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he he. I wouldn't say he carried the movie because I think he had really good chemistry with uh, uh, what's her name, Felicity, Felicity Jones. Jones. Yeah, she, she was. <laughs> yeah, she was great. So, um, and and I thought it had a great script too. So, uh, those are my honorable mentions. Nice, nice. Yeah. Um, my honorable mentions in uh, descending order uh, are the Fall in Our Stars, which I th- I thought that that was it really kind of honored the spirit and in, in the the really the heart of of the story. Um, in a way that was just really, really strong. Like it was a very strong book to film adaptation. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, my next one is, this is where I leave you, which was my surprise of 2014. Um, this is kind of interesting because I, I thought that there was just a lot of great chemistry between the, between the actors and all that, but it kind of dipped into some tropes, uh, here and there. And it, like rewatching it, um, just a couple days ago, I like my opinion of it dropped severely. Um, it was actually, it was actually my top 10, uh, but then it just, it kind of just dropped, uh, from there. But, uh, next one is the one I love, which I thought was a really honest examination of relationships and the inner workings of relationships, but with such a, a unique sci-fi twist that didn't become about the sci-fi. It became, it's, it's about the characters and about the, the relationship, which I thought was really, good um and well done uh next is they came together <laughs> which it's it's david wayne uh directing a parody of rom-coms and it is hysterical like i i loved it so much uh i watched it a couple times last year um it's just it's hilarious and has that signature kind of david wayne style kind of wackiness and it's it's really fun 
Uh, and then my last honorable mention is the Grand Budapest Hotel, which was the last movie I watched of 2014. Um, I thought it was really good, a beautiful, beautiful movie. They always are. Uh, yeah, and and Wes Anderson, it, it has Wes Anderson's like style and his wit and kind of whimsy, I guess. But it it just packages it into just a a beautifully shot and almost uncharacteristically accessible on his part um yes thank you i guess uh yeah uh and i i really liked it um nice. yeah those are my honorable mentions uh yeah should we dig into our top tens the big show yes let's do it all right uh, so we don't change it up i'll i'll start it off we'll go with number 10 mm-hmm. uh it's actually my number 10's grand budapest hotel oh nice yeah, you said descending. It would then number eleven be Grand Budapest Hotel. Actually, that might have been. I I was gonna ask if de- descending or ascending is what I wanted. Grand Budapest was number fifteen. So would that have been? Okay, that would have been fine. descending. Well, it depends on what you mean. Do you mean by quality or do you mean in number? Descending by, by number. Uh, number and quality because eleven okay. to fifteen. Okay. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So anyway, my number 10 is Grand Budapest Hotel. And you really hit the nail on the head uh, about it being his most accessible. Uh, It was kind of his first movie with like a sense of urgency to it. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, really, really funny movie. He um, the, the way Wes Anderson works is like every little every scene is kind of like a diorama where every little detail counts. Uh, and that's something we've gotten in all of his movies. You know, Moon Rally's mm-hmm. Kingdom was was nominated last year or or two years ago, whenever that came out. Um, but but like you said, Matt, I I think this is if you were to tell someone to watch a Wes Anderson movie, and it's someone who is not uh, someone who who watches and analyzes movies the way we do, um, I would I would ask them to watch Grand Budapest Hotel because it is it's it's just so fun to watch. Oh yeah. And it's funny, uh, going back to our worst of list, uh, the character I referenced being introduced uh, midway through Tusk, I wrote in the review that's going to post next week that it, it he feels the the character feels like Kevin Smith is trying to um, pretend that he's Wes Anderson. Um, <laughs> just in the dialogue. Yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Tiny, did you ever get around to seeing Grand Budapest? Didn't, no. Okay. Check it out. Yeah. Big recommend, yeah. Yeah. Um, Tiny, you're number 10. Are we all just going to do, we're just going to go around the table again like that? Oh, yeah. Are, is that yeah. what we're going to do? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. My number 10 is the documentary uh, Coringal, which is the follow-up to uh, the film. I think it's from 2010 called Restrepo. Um, it's the same documentary crew with the same men at the same base, uh, but it is after the event of... Um, I think he was Corporal Juan Restrepo being killed. Um, it's man, it's just great. I, I I cannot recommend enough these two documentaries together. Restrepo is the better of the two, um, but this still has a place. Um, I, I think this is such a revolutionary concept because um, you can typically the way we're exposed to wars now is we kind of just see little snippets, like a little clip on the news or something like that. And it's, it's very detached, you know, uh, but this cannot be more infused with the actual concept of war. Cause it's, <laughs> it's, it's a camera crew literally living with and, you know, standing next to soldiers in an actual base who are being shot at. Um, I mean, in the first movie, they, they filmed a soldier being killed, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just so remarkable. Um, 
and just just as a history buff, you know, we tend to there's that classic line if we don't learn about history, we're, you know, destined to repeat it. Um and, and there's so, so much history, especially when it comes to war that that we just don't know about and and we don't have quality first-hand account, hand accounts of. But this is a first-hand account of what the war in Afghanistan is like. It's about the just just, you know, trying to fight the Taliban and trying to work with the the indigenous people who live there and just, just kind of like the general malaise of like a stagnant stalemate war like this. Um, it's just so, it's so wonderful. I, I can't recommend, I think everyone should see it. Every American should see this movie. I, I don't say that about a lot of stuff. Um, <laughs> so definitely check out Korangal. It's, it's really good. Nice. Both, I, I, both movies are on Netflix instant, by the way. Right. I, I saw Korangal on, on Netflix and I, I kind of just saw it and just the image just kind of struck me. And I looked at it, I looked at it and I was like, Oh wow. Restrepo is a, follow up to that and I'm, I've been meaning to check it out but I haven't mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah uh, that brings it to me right yep mm-hmm. my number 10 is X-Men Days of Future Past uh, and man I had such a turbulent time constructing this top 10 list um, I mean the, my number 10 was at various points it was Gone Girl it was uh, it was it was um, um, uh, Fault in Our Stars. It was, and now it's Days of Future Past, and this is the solid tenth one. Uh, I rewatched it today, and man, I I just love it. I I I I hear you what you say, Mike, about about the um, emotional impact of the climax. I I I get that, and I agree. But just the build up to it was just so so interesting and so much fun to see Brian Singer basically pull together this just really really troubled franchise and all the continuity and put it together in a way that in and using time travel also um for the most part yeah yeah for the most part there's still a couple of lingering questions sure sure but just the way that he did it while also leaving off with the the uh the kind of promise that oh this is the start of something new for this franchise Mm -hmm. is just so it was a breath of fresh air for for the X Men franchise and for me as a viewer of that. You can read my review; I have it posted on on the internet on on Obsessive Viewer. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I I just loved that movie and it held up very well to a second viewing. And I'm looking forward to the Rogue Cut this summer. That's coming. Yeah, out. me too. Yeah, one of my favorite characters, right? <laughs> in all in all comic book dumb. Wow, nice, interesting. Yeah. Nice. Yep. Uh, Mike, right, what's your number then? nine? Yeah. Or Tiny, did you see Days of Future Past? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. it's on my list later. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> number nine, then. Uh, for me, I know Tiny loved this movie. Matt, not so much. Number nine is Snowpiercer. Yeah. Uh, and it, for, for me, I guess what I would say about it is that it's reminiscent of game-changing sci-fi, a lot like The Matrix. Um, and we're just, we see so much dystopia in movies and like, like young adult movies nowadays that it was cool to see a a darker, even bleaker, kind of a, kind of a new twist on an old kind of, uh, story. And I just, uh, movies that wow me are kind of the ones that end up on the top 10 and Snowpiercer wowed me a lot. Nice. Cool. I, I intended to revisit this to see to see how I felt about it, but I just didn't get around to it. I spent hours last night just constructing my, my blog post and all that, and I had stuff playing in the background. I was like, I could watch Snowpiercer, but I was also like, I want to devote my full attention to it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, eh, I wasn't crazy about it, but but good for you. 
Um, <laughs> I don't mean to sound like a dismissive dick or anything like that. I'm just good for you. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad. Good for you. <laughs> I am aware that I'm in the mi- minority of of people that saw it. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is this is where I leave you. Uh, like Matt said, I loved the chemistry in this movie. I thought the cast was literally perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I would not change one single person, which is almost never happens. Um, I especially appreciated the scenes between Jason Bateman and Tina Fey. Um, they were just like two, a brother and sister who just totally got each other. They just understood each other to a T. Uh, and that was really refreshing to see that. Um, and also I've, I've, I've sang Adam driver's praises so many times and I'm so glad to see that he was awesome in this movie. And, uh, he, he was kind of the, the, the ridiculously goofy black sheep, crazy guy of the family. Um, which is sort of, Kind of like his character on Girls as well, so not a huge stretch, but um, still, I just I loved him in this. Um, I, I hope this movie gets several Oscar nominations uh, for the actors and maybe the screenwriter as well. Uh, it was great. I don't I don't think it is as warmly received by critics as it is with you guys. Am yeah, I, am I, I wrong there? I, I don't think right. so either. Yeah, I think yeah. kind of went kind of forgotten. Yeah. It spoke to me. Yeah, I liked it a lot. And and to uh, leapfrog off of that or to whatever, um, the scene, like I rewatched it last night, and the scene between Adam Driver and Tina Fey, yeah, like it's, it's just such a nice a nice scene where it's like you spent the whole movie uh, seeing Adam Driver as just the chaotic force in the family, and like he has just this like very just kind of almost nonchalant kind of like moment with it, with his sister, and it just it really spoke to me. Like I, I really liked it. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. It's uh, it's one of the ones that I that kind of slipped through the cracks. So it's on the list. Cool. Yeah. Uh, my number nine is uh, Gone Girl, uh, which we'll we'll talk about in a couple weeks. Um, but I, I just I loved, I I really really liked it. Um, it's I love it as a, as a deconstruction of just a really disturbing relationship pretty much. And, and it's a very compelling and intense movie. It's really hard to talk about this movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and I, when it came to uh, the social network, I, I really kind of um, not took for granted, but I kind of didn't get like all of the acclaim for Trent Reznor's score, but here in Gone Girl, I think that it was really effective. Like there was one sequence in, in particular that it's, it's the, it's the best scene of the movie and it's just so just, crazy like it's it's sticking with me now but like i said it's hard to explain this movie and we'll talk about it uh in a couple weeks but yeah gone girl's my number nine nice good good choice uh number eight for me is interstellar um i when i talked to my wife about this one she was super shocked uh because she it's number one on her list. And if I asked my friend Jake, who I also saw it with on my birthday, by the way, uh, he he probably would say it was his favorite movie of the year. And my feelings about it have have wavered like mercurial. Uh, I, I just I can't land on something. I knew it needed to be on my top 10. I knew it wasn't that high up. Um, there was really a lot about it to love, but um, a lot to be disappointed about. Maybe not as much as as Matt. Um but I, I, it's it's one I'll remember, but I, I, I'm just not sure. So it kind of just stands at eight with a question mark. To each their own. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we'll talk about it a bit more. We've already talked about it a lot. We have. Check out yeah, the episode. Check out my review. Um, say. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's cool. Yeah. Tiny, yeah. what's your number eight? Uh, my number eight is Nightcrawler, <laughs> which was also my biggest surprise of the year. Um, I just didn't see it coming. It just, I just, it just came out of nowhere for me. And, and you know, we talked about it a little bit on the past episode, but it just, um, it, it has such a strong message to it. That's, that's just wonderfully and brilliantly interwoven into a great story. Um, it's the, the, and the whole movie hinges on an amazing performance from the lead actor because the, the lead, the lead, character is a psychopath he's crazy and he's disgusting and a terrible person and so if you don't play that the right way just 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 the right way it just throws off the entire movie um and i I think this is literally a career defining performance from jake gyllenhaal i think this is the best i've ever seen him um and and but that not to say that he carried the whole movie because i think the um just, just again that 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 message that that's kind of interwoven in the story about how kind of desensitized we are as a society and how we we crave this kind of a like like a taboo sort of um taboo sort of experience um that's it's really well constructed and it and it and it leaves you kind of feeling how you should i guess i don't want to just spoil stuff right um, yeah uh, but it's it's just a really good movie it's, if for for nothing else, see it for Jake Gyllenhaal's performance because it's amazing. I, I'm having trouble deciding between uh, Jake Gyllenhaal in this and um, Eddie Redmayne and the theory of everything for lead actor right now. Yeah, we we kind of had that discussion. Um, my Nightcrawler is actually high on my list, so I was going to say, <laughs> Tiny. The only thing I would disagree with you is that is that Nightcrawler should be higher up there. I, I everything <laughs> you said is is correct. It was fantastic. Cool. Nice. Uh, my number eight is Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. And man, I, I was just so blown away by it. It's, uh, on a technical level, it's just Im- Im- immaculate. It's, it's amazing. And, uh, and just seeing the performances from the, uh, from, from the motion capture. Yeah, that they got real apes to do all that. Just... <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the thing. It, it looked like it, and seeing right. seeing the level to which they could emote mm-hmm. was so just so powerful to me. And because it, 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 the movie is focused on the apes, and and that's why I can forgive it being kind of low, whole, uh, underdeveloped human characters because it's the apes movie, and it, I think it's just such a great progression from Rise of the Planet of the Apes, which everyone was like, "Oh, look at Andy Serkis being an ape." And look at all this. This is great. And then this is just like on a whole nother level because it's the apes and it's it's multiple actors pouring their hearts into these performances. That it, and it's a very compelling and 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 at times sad movie. Um. Yeah. And I I just I really liked it. Yeah. Something about it for me was slightly disappointing. And I mm-hmm. and I mentioned this in an earlier podcast. Matt, maybe you could put that in the show notes. I don't remember what number what it was. OV66. There you go. Um, but th- something about for a sequel, the stakes felt really low. Uh, I, I have trouble connecting um, to movies that are kind of really just a stepping stone 
for the for the next movie, which is kind of almost unfair for me to say because I know how much I love Empire Strikes Back. But I, I have gone back now and said that uh, Star Wars, the first Star Wars, is my favorite Star Wars. So I kind of I kind of stand strong with that assessment. That um, I just I. I'll wait to see the next one before I before I kind of make an assessment on kind of the franchise as a whole. You're, okay. you're absolutely right. Everything about it was great, but something about I, I don't know the stakes. The stakes were low for me. Uh, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what's your number seven? My number seven then is Birdman. Ah, oh, I missed this one. Me too. Yeah. Uh, I I highly recommend it because it is just it's just a treat for fans of movies and fans of acting and fans of cinematography. Um, so I'll kind of spare you a lot of the details just just because I know you guys are going into it and um, it's still fresh in a lot of people's minds. Uh, a lot of people haven't seen it. Um, in a recent interview with Entertainment Weekly, Emma Stone said that uh, Alejandro Inaritu, the, the director, gave the cast a picture of Philip Petit, the tightrope walker who who walked across the Twin Towers in New York, and he said, "This is what we're trying to do." Uh, basically, you know, walk a walk a tightrope, and they totally did it, and that's that's what's so awesome. the The cheat, of course, uh, or the conceit is that it's it looks like it's filmed all in one take, uh, and if you're looking for it, of course, you're going to find the seams, but I promise you won't be looking for it. The performances, the story, all of it is just that good that. It doesn't matter if, if you're trying to look for some of the faults. You you really won't find them. Um, performances are great. Michael Keaton really shine. Emma Stone is as awesome as ever. Zach Galifianakis is unrecognizable. Just a really, really solid movie. Number seven. Nice. I, I plan on seeing this one pretty soon. Cool. Um, what do you think of the Oscar buzz for Keaton? Um, well... <laughs> You know, one of the thing you always say at Oscar season is any other year and it'd be his. <laughs> but uh I, I mean it's it's Eddie Redmayne's to lose, really. Okay. Like sure. I don't even know that Jake Gyllenhaal is getting the kind of buzz he deserves. I, I don't know how how much he's in the conversation yeah. now. Right. Um I think it's pr- I think it's Eddie Redmayne's pretty much a lock. Okay. Yeah, I agree. Wow. <laughs> uh Tony, is it your turn? Yes, uh, my number seven is X Men: Days of Future Past. Nice. Um, just, I, I really just echo what Matt said. Um, just, to, especially to bringing together the continuity of what basically feels like two different franchises. Um, yeah, it that was just beyond impressive. Um, I feel like we haven't gotten anything really great from Brian Singer in a long time, and this was great. So that was yeah. good to see. Yep. Yeah, that's about it. Cool. Uh, my number seven is Nightcrawler. Uh, just Jake Gyllenhaal's intensity. Um, it, it's it's really mesmerizing to me, and seeing the way that the story, like the big thing about the story for me was it's a it's a story about like sociopathy and ambition, mm-hmm. and it's just so colorful the way that it plays out, and seeing it juxtaposed with um, Rene Russo's. Uh, like newscaster is it her yeah yeah um news uh news producer character was just so interesting to me because they're both kind of despicable people for different reasons and they're kind of they're kind of struggling in in a world that like tiny said is just desensitized and it's a really interesting examination of like our cultural our culture's 
morbid relationship with with violence and how we're kind of just accepting of of all of these things that happen. Uh, but the thing that I kind of thought about after uh, after thinking about this when putting it on my list was what Mike, what you said in the episode, I think it was episode 81 when we talked about it, but like what would have happened to Jake Gyllenhaal's uh, career if uh, uh, Prince of Persia took off? Like, like that just, it kind of just blows my mind. I'm so happy that it didn't because this happened (laughs) and he was perfect in it. It was just so great. Um, So I think he's happy about it too. (laughs) (laughs) I think so too. Uh, but yeah, so so that's my number seven, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Dan Gilroy has uh, has after that because this was his first uh, his directorial debut. My number six is Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, nice. and I feel like what I'm doing with a lot of these is defending why they're not number one because <laughs> you know if I really if you threw all ten of these in a bag and shook them up and pulled one out, I'd be okay with just about any of them being my my number one of the year like if if somebody asked and i just had to do one at random i'd feel strongly about any of them so um it's a little lower because it suffers from not having a great villain but the the strength of guardians of the galaxy despite as many people despite how many people loved groot and how much the world loves chris pratt all of a sudden uh the strength was really the, the team like especially in the climax i've never seen I've never seen a team come together to take down the bad guy in such an effective way uh, as as they did in Guardians of the Galaxy. And and for that alone, it deserves to be top 10. But also because it's Star Wars meets superheroes. So just a, just a really great, fun movie. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, you big turd blossom. <laughs> um, yeah. Agreed. Tiny? Cool. Uh, my number six is Snowpiercer, which we talked about uh, earlier in... Just again to echo what what uh, everyone else has said, it's it, it at times it felt like I was seeing. I think Mike, uh, I like the way Mike used this line. It felt like I was watching a sci-fi movie for the first time. Yeah. Um, it was that's how effective it was. Um, even though at a at a very very base level, it's derivative because it's a dystopian movie, um, which we've gotten a lot of lately. Uh, it was such a fresh take on it that it felt like a new a new genre for me, I guess. Um, and I think what a lot, a lot of people are just focusing on the, the story itself and, and, the some of the special effects and stuff like that. But I think the script was really well done. Um, I liked the dialogue, especially, um, a lot of, uh, th- there's one scene in particular where, um, Chris Evans talked, his character talked about when they first got on the train and how the, I, the cast system was sort of set up and then and being at the back and stuff like that. It was, it was just this, a camera just set up on his face and it was really well done. And I, I love the dialogue in that scene um, as well as the performances, but I don't know. I just, I thought it was a, a really good movie that had just a lot of, a lot of great things to say. Um, and I, I hope it, it, it finds a place in the sci-fi pantheon, if you will. So great movie. You know, it's funny. I, for some reason, I I have no idea why this is, but it seems like every January, like every January for me is, oh, I need to watch sci-fi movies this this month. <laughs> like I I have no idea what it what it is about about January, but um, I do plan on circling back to checking out Snowpiercer again to see if it resonates with me anymore. Like January you know. is the time. It's cold, and the movie's a cold movie. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. 
Nice. Uh, yeah, so I'll we'll check back with me on that one. Um, <laughs> I was just underwhelmed when I first saw it. Um, my number six is Captain America: The Winter Soldier. Um, it just it felt so much more to me than just a summer blockbuster, and that's something that uh, that I wasn't necessarily expecting. Um, just the balls on Marvel to do what they did in the winter soldier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, it's, it carries with it the weight of an Avengers movie, like a tent, like huge tent, like Avengers movie. And I mean, kind of, it seems like the general consensus was that the first Captain America movie wasn't that, wasn't that well received. Mm -hmm. So to just pull this off on, on, in the second Captain America movie, was just so, so effective to me. Um, and I, it just it just hit all the marks for me. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Yeah. Hats off to the Russo brothers. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, you want to usher yep. us into number five, our top five? Absolutely. Top five. Here we go. <laughs> uh, Matt, you started talking about this one earlier, but my number five is actually Gone Girl. Um, nice. And my the first sentence in my blurb is love in the 2010s, <laughs> which is really sad, which is really, really, oh, really yeah. sad to think about. And when I finished reading Gone Girl, I thought about like what kind of mind uh, could write a marriage farce like this? Uh, who like what happens to people who who write about these kinds of people? Um, hopefully very imaginative and they're and they're not writing uh life like fiction um so anyway david fincher's adaptation was uh excellent it, it probably didn't hurt that he was writing from jillian flynn's script um what i loved i think most about the movie aside from the twists and turns which i thought were effectively done aside from the the quality of the adaptation i really loved uh the the um <clears throat> the performances of the two leads in particular i know a lot of people are kind of singing rosamund's pike's uh praises but i really loved ben affleck and i love this kind of uh point in ben affleck's career that we're getting kind of a you know everybody talked about the reconnaissance last year and i'm not saying ben affleck is having anything like that or will have but um i i like these serious roles he's done a lot of effective work behind the camera as of late um and it's a shame that he i don't think he's getting a whole lot of notoriety for his work in gone girl but he is what i pictured when i thought of the role uh of of nick dunn and uh, i remember reading an interview about how when when David Fincher saw Ben Affleck with uh, Jennifer Lopez and how he would do kind of like a, a forced half smile, he knew he was he was his Nick Dunn, and Ben Affleck kind of does that forced half smile in the movie, and I just I just love it. Yeah, uh, it's such a great movie. Um, it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought, I thought it was good. It, it didn't make nice. my honorable mentions or top ten, but it was good. Okay, nice. Uh, yeah. Uh, Tiny, your number five? Uh, my number five is, I kind of feel a little guilty about it because it never appeared in theaters, uh, but it is HBO's The Normal Heart. Um, I think it absolutely has a place on this list, and I think it deserves to be discussed amongst best movies of 2014. Um, I was absolutely blown away by the movie. Uh, it is a true story, which makes it even more incredible, but um, people tend to forget that... Um, the AIDS virus is, it's an epidemic. I mean, it's, it is an ongoing epidemic that affects the entire world. And we sort of forget that aspect. And, and when it was first starting, people just didn't care about it. And, and looking back on it now, even though I had no role in it, I feel guilty 
Um, and, and that's, that's the, the chord that this movie strikes. Um, and then amongst that, the script, the directing and the acting was all top notch. It was all just phenomenal. Um, I can't even name a standout. Jim Parsons was, was really great. Um, I was glad to see him be good in something. Um, not to say he's not good in, uh, the big bang theory, but it's just, he's been playing the same character for 20 years. It feels like, <laughs> um, so that was nice to see. Um, I really wanted this to be the breakout for Taylor Kitsch, but I don't mm-hmm. think it was quite that. I think I mentioned that it's one. Not I, gonna yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. I'm beginning to think it's not going to happen either. Um, Texas forever. <laughs> God. <laughs> uh, but the movie is just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I, I can't say enough good things about it. So everybody check it out. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, I've been meaning to check it out ever since you brought it up on the podcast. Um, yeah. My number five is a kind of a. I, I'm so shocked at the negative critical response to this. It's men, women, and children, and I'm just I'm I'm so blown away by the the level of negative response that this movie has gotten. I mean, it's like a 31 on Rotten Tomatoes, and it's making like bot, like worst of list for 2014, and I just wow. don't get it. Wow. Um, and I even I even rewatched it last night. And I really liked it. I, I, I mean, sure, there are there are some on the nose themes, and the cra- the cast is really crowded, and there it kind of dips into melodrama here and there. But I just thought it was a really really strong movie, despite those faults. Um, and, and it doesn't really deal with technology anywhere near the level of like like Spike Jones did with her, which I I still love so much. But I still feel like uh, Jason Reitman. Uh, I just feel like he delivered just a really sincere and, and emotionally resonant for me in certain spots, uh, movie that it really kind of played up how we, how we communicate, uh, today and how I guess teens communicate today. I don't know any teenagers. (laughs) Um, yeah, I just, I really, really like this movie and it's just, it's bothersome to me that it, that it's so widely panned. Hmm. Is it possible that Adam Sandler is that poisonous that people hate it because of that? <laughs> I kind of wonder if that's the case. And he's not, it's not a, it's not a, I mean, he's okay in it, but it's, yeah. it's kind of, I, that would be, I would love for that to be the reason why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure I understand all the, why it's being panned either. Mm-hmm. It was in my honorable mentions. So I thought it was great. I think it's worthy of a top 10. Yeah. So nice. Yeah. yeah it's in my top five. I don't know. People are crazy. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to see that one. It is not on my list, though. <laughs> but uh, I'll take your guys' word for it. Maybe I'll maybe I'll check it out. Nice. Um, number four for me is Chef Jean Favreau. John. I don't know why I keep calling him Jean Jean Favreau. <laughs> you did Jean that. On the... I did that in the summer. Nice. Uh, John Favreau's <laughs> Chef. And I just love that with all the success that he has, you know, with Elf and two Iron Man movies, that he can come back and make this this kind of a of a passion project. People don't really talk about like what is the feel good movie of the year, uh, but if there were still such a thing, it's it's Chef. It's it's so feel good that I'm really shocked that it's kind of been overlooked in 2014. I don't think anybody's talking about it at the end of the year. Um, you can tell that Favreau has a passion for the food that he's talking about. Um, I love the family drama that's involved in it. In it. Um, the comedy is, is on point. And even Sophia 
Vergara, who I think is like really over the top on Modern Family, is kind of tones it down as Carl's ex-wife. Carl uh, is John Favreau's character, um, and so she gets to be a little less over the top, and that's and that's refreshing. There, there's really nothing I didn't like about Chef. In fact, uh, my wife and I are going to New Orleans for spring break specifically because in the movie Chef they go to New Orleans. <laughs> awesome. That's I'm so jealous of you, man. Yeah. Cool. That's yeah, and and Chef didn't make my list anywhere, but man, if if my, if my honorable mentions run through the number fifteen on my on my rankings, Chef would be sixteen, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, it it was just such like you said, a feel good movie, and yeah, sometimes yeah. you need that. Yeah. Did you only how many times did you see it? Once or twice? Just the once. Just the once. Yeah, seeing it the second time only made me more sure that it it was a number four. Nice. Hmm. Cool. Tiny, you recently saw that, didn't you? Yes. Um, actually, my number four is John Favreau's Chef. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Great minds, my friend. Yeah. Great minds. Um, <laughs> yeah. I man, it was just so so wonderful. Yeah. It was just wonderful Matt, is the word, right? Yeah. <laughs> Matt used the adjective delightful, yeah. and it's just delight. It's so much fun to watch. It is. It is the culmination of the American dream. Right, this guy just has a dream. It's something he loves doing so much. It's his passion. You even see it when he's just making a little grilled cheese sandwich for his son in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's like this whole big production and thing. And he <laughs> he slices. It's just beautiful. And and then he eats most of it because his kid doesn't eat it. Exactly. <laughs> and he's a fat guy like me. Um, <laughs> but it, you know, that that's what he loves doing, and he's not being allowed to do it the way he wants, and he just goes out and does it on his own that's that's just the american dream um it it is very feel good but i don't think i don't think the movie needed any more like streaks of drama than it had because there's there's some friction Mm -hmm. between john favreau and his son um but it's it's nothing earth shattering but it's it's pretty typical stuff um i think that was enough i don't think there needed to be any more uh drama in it i think i think it was just just fun the way it was um and I just, I just had such a great time with it. It, it was so wonderful. I, I just can't I can't say much much else about it. Um, yeah. yeah. There's the scene where they start to make their first Cubano sandwiches, and uh, they're they're making them for the for the workers that kind of help them load the the the, the stove into the truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, his son burns one, and then tries to sell it. And he says, I don't care. It's, it's, they didn't pay for it. Right. And so he takes him outside and it kind of explains to him why he does what he does. And, and I, I don't know. I might be thinking a little too hard that kind of it was a little meta and he was kind of metaphorically talking about his movie career. Uh, I think someone who likes the movie a little less would think that, which is okay because that's, that's good directing. That's good writing. But, um, what I loved is that it, it really felt like as a character who loves food, he really meant that. And the movie is just full of those kinds of moments. Yeah, and I yeah. I feel like its meta its metaness was not was not distracting. I it didn't take me out of the movie at all. Yeah. Um I, I barely even noticed it until after I watched the movie. I was like, Oh yeah, that was kinda meta. Um yeah. but it it was appropriately meta. I, I thought it was a a good way to go about doing it. Uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't heavy handed at all. Mm-hmm. Um I liked it. I I mean, I, I disagree. Well, I'm not disagree, but uh, I had a I had a different reaction to the menace. I mean, I didn't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man, it it just kind of really in a, in a less in a less charming movie, I would have found fault in in how it was such a clear um, 
to me, a uh, uh, um, response to kind of uh, uh, how it was such a clear allegory for his for his directing career. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, I would have found fault in it, but I mean, I was just so charmed and, and swept up in the movie that uh, I didn't mind it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, well, good. Yeah, yep. So, Matt, my number four is uh, the Skeleton Twins. I talked about it on uh, episode eighty-seven. Um, it just it the it really just hit me in just just the right spot. Um, it's kind of a almost stereotypical, like kind of indie kind of drama. I mean, two estranged siblings, both in dire points in their lives, kind of reconnect and rediscover how important they are in each other's lives. But I, I felt like the script was just really well done. And in terms of, of delivering exposition, not, not necessarily exposition, but just, just fleshing out the characters and, and their, and their, um, their relationships with, with other people and themselves. Like, I mean, you kind of get little hints here and there, like, Oh, there's something about their, I talked about this in, in episode 87. I'm sorry, but, um, just like there's stuff like little sprinkles here and there. And then it just kind of builds upon that. And it doesn't spoon feed us any exposition the way, um, certain other movies from certain filmmakers this year, um, do interstellar. Um, completely different movie but still uh but there's no it's just such a such a genuine just just really um natural progression through the story about two siblings kind of rediscovering the importance they they have in each other's lives um yeah you know i i got to see this movie uh yesterday actually for the first time and i'm so glad i did and i feel like if i would have seen it a little earlier it might have crept its way at, at least to an honorable mention nice. for me um you're you're totally right in that you're not force fed anything what i liked even more about it is that um it's not it's not an easy movie they don't they don't take a lot of easy liberties with things and um you know for instance luke wilson's character the husband mm-hmm. they could have easily and it would have been easier for the movie had they made him a jerk. Oh, absolutely. But, but they don't. And he is a, a totally earnest dude who's just a nice guy. Yeah. Um, nice and, and kind of kind of vapid, but yeah, you, but, you love him. But a good guy, right. Yeah. And, and I'm so glad they went with that. I, I think if anything, what would keep this off my list was that the ending felt uh, a little too spot on, a little too convenient for me. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and so that was a little bothersome. But other than that, it was it was really great. The performances, uh, Kristen Wiig, I think, is always great. But to see Bill Hader to do not over the top, um, you know, sarcastic and sassy, but still dramatic, was was great. And the scene with "Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now" was was awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I like that scene too. I was under I was just underwhelmed by it. Sure. Um, I feel like I'd seen that movie before. Um, the two troubled siblings but one of them doesn't think they're troubled i just feel like i've seen that before um but the the performances were just great uh christian was awesome but yeah like like mike said bill Hader was awesome just playing a kind of like a subtle like like kind of a gay like bitch who's kind of just mean <laughs> um mm-hmm. yeah that was I, I had no idea that he had that in him um and i was really impressed with that um and yeah luke wilson haven't enjoyed him that much in a long time right mm-hmm. um yeah it was, it was a good movie yeah yeah. Um, uh, when you said you you felt like you've seen it before, I like I I kind of thought about that after after you told it to me to us in the pod chat. But because um, 
it, it was funny to me because early in the movie, like all I thought was like, this feels a lot like little miss sunshine, strangely enough. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, and it, it plays with some archetypes that are just very present in that. But, uh, yeah, I just, I, I really, I really, really liked this movie. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. It was fun. Yeah. Um, all right, here we go. Top three. Uh, I struggled with my top three a lot. I, I, I shifted these around. I moved them around. A lot of them were kind of latecomers, but uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with where these ended up. So for me, number three was Boyhood, um, and it was, uh, it was. This is so hard to say, but it was as perfect as a movie can get sometimes. Wow! Nice. And and the concept, of course, and and if you're listening to this, and if you're two hours in with us by now, you know what <laughs> you've heard of Boyhood, and you know that it was shot over twelve years using the same cast, specifically the young boy uh, Eller Coltrane, who plays Mason, um, and it's about his 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 boyhood, how how he grows up. You know, um, Linklater, Richard Linklater, kind of checked in with them. Uh, a couple times a year for 12 years and and came up with this movie which sounds like a cheat it sounds like a gimmick you know but what's so great is that uh um how well the gimmick worked for the movie and and how it doesn't rely on the gimmick uh it kind of plays off the gimmick the gimmick of course is that it's episodic but isn't that what life what boyhood is all about and and a movie like this does not come around very often that really actually shows you what it's like to grow up um, because so many movies try and, they, and they're so dramatic and there's this major turning point in a life and there's this major love in your life. But for most people, and that includes the three of us, not a whole lot happens from when you're five to 18 or whatever. Yeah. Right. It, it just doesn't. And that's what, that's what life is like. That's what boyhood is like. And you look back and then you string those together and you can kind of form some kind of painting, some, some kind of story, a film. Uh, but it's not till after that you kind of look back and, and Richard Linklater kind of did that for us with, with Mason and his boyhood. And it's just, um, Chef is, is the feel good movie of the year, but boyhood is kind of the other feel right movie of the year i think this is the movie i wanted to see in place of as above so below oh really i think it was oh, man <laughs> oh that just bums me out so much i might be wrong but that may be right i think it was more of a like well i'm kind of tired and i don't want to sit through yeah. like a three-hour movie right man yeah i i haven't gotten a chance to see this yet but um based on your it, it didn't feel like a three-hour movie at all yeah and i know fans of movies that are long say that but really Right. Well, to put it into context, I was, <laughs> I was bored with a, a ninety minute. I was like ready to go after like thirty minutes into a ninety minute horror movie. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. That was that was on my state of mind. But I haven't gotten a chance to see Boyhood yet. But I'm I'm buying it on Blu-ray on Tuesday uh, at your recommendation, Mike. And yeah, and I might as well. Nice. Yeah. And I'm I'm so relieved to hear you talk about it so highly. Because obviously I value your opinion. I, I'm I'm like I trust your opinion. And mm-hmm. all I keep hearing about boyhood and I've been kind of distanced from like the reviews and everything, but everyone talks about how it was filmed over twelve years and I feel like that that like you said, kind of gimmick it could have been like my my anticipation going into it is thinking like, is this technique of filmmaking an excuse to throw accolades at it? 
Um, and so I'm, I'm a little loose, uh, like my, my attitude toward the movie is loosened up by your, by your, uh, praise for it. Gotcha. Um, Good. So I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it. Nicely yeah. put. Thank you. Uh, my number three is Captain America, the winter soldier nice. could have very easily been number one. Um, had to be a top five for me. Um, I really like what Matt said about the fact that it was really ballsy that this was, it felt like a tentpole movie for the entire Marvel universe, but it was just a sequel to the Captain America movie, which mm-hmm. I really did not like at all. The first Captain America movie. Yeah, um, bad. yeah. Um, and yeah. Th- this was just, and, and also just in, in the context of other sequels, like the second Thor movie and Iron Man two, sucked i mean they weren't good <laughs> yeah. they, there was little effort put into those movies uh but this was a huge effort um i i wonder if part of it was just bringing in new writers and a, a new director and um directors with the mm-hmm. russo brothers um just just such a breath of fresh air even though you know i have a ton of, of stake in this franchise or this whatever universe whatever yeah. you want to call it um it's it's great that they're to see that they're actually trying and that they're not just throwing whatever at us and then just just kind of cranking out a movie and then putting all their effort into the Avengers movies. Yeah. So it's that's what was great about it. Um and also just it's just a damn good movie. I mean it's just yeah. unbelievably good. Um yeah. You can check our other statements on it throughout the year. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh OV 49 is where you want to uh, go for our review of it. Yeah. At the moment, or in the moment, but yeah, I, yeah, I loved it. Um, my number three is the theory of everything, and yeah, I mean Eddie Redmayne just—I mean he like disappears into the role. Like it's such um such an awe-inspiring performance. Um, just because you like. I I wrote a review. It's going to go up. Uh, I think it's going to go up closer to Oscar time. Um, but just seeing how uh Stephen Hawking's condition deteriorates through it and seeing the progression of uh Eddie Redmayne's physical performance is just so like mind I, I don't know it it was just so effective to me um and the amount of work that because they didn't film it in <laughs> they didn't film it in chronological order so he had to kind of ma- manage that while also giving a very kind of a really strong emotional performance too like in in my review i i said that he kind of he he turns uh throughout it uh his performance is, is he puts the effort in, of his performance at the parts of it uh, that where the scene dictates that it needs to be like he has an emphasis on the physical performance and the, but in a in a scene where where he has to give an emotional kind of kind of reaction it's it's more in his face and it's it's just a very layered performance to me and then uh, but the reason why I put it at number three and I I struggled with this so much like the like my list was just a a wreck until I solidified it here but um <laughs> I thought that he and Felicity Jones were just I mean. So many biopics rely on just the star of the movie and just the subject matter, and they they take that subject matter and they play it up for the drama of, for a film, a, a film version of their lives. And what I loved about the theory of everything was that it had the 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 incredibly strong and Oscar baity performance of Eddie Redmayne, but also Felicity Jones had this very subtle and emotional kind of performance, then and, and so much chemistry with with. 
uh, Eddie Redmayne that it just it felt so in sync with with what with what uh, I feel like a very good biopic should be, and uh, I I really thought that the script did a really good job of sidestepping kind of cliche and, and uh, it just felt very genuine and, and really full of heart. Like, uh, like there were times in the movie in their story where they could have played up the drama of a certain event, but it just gets to a more subtle point. Like, like her being, um, I don't want to give anything away, but there's, there's a moment where she is in, uh, she's in the room. She's in like the kitchen reading and she sees Steven, uh, in the chair and like, he's goofing around with the kids. I think he actually makes a, uh, 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 Dr. Who reference, but you just see this look on her face and you see that she's reading books and, and, and it just tell, it tells you so much more than what, uh, what a normal, uh, a kind of more run of the mill movie would have done. It would have been a more bigger production of her being like, like talking like this very big monologue, but it's all condensed into this very small scene and it's all, all in Felicity Jones's performance. And I just, there are little bits and pieces throughout the entire movie like that. And I, I just loved it. Uh, so that's, that's my number three. See, I felt like that was almost detrimental to the movie. Like they didn't want really? to, um, they didn't want to upset the source and, and, and they should have gone into some of the struggles and, uh, that there was there was <clears throat> not that there was literal infidelity but that she was um <laughs> i i guess it's too early for for spoilers but any, but anyway right. I, I think they shied away from a lot of things and i think the movie played it very safe it's a really good movie and it's in my top 14 but um I, it it just felt it just felt really safe for me i think you nailed that maddie Oh, thank that was you. Really well said. I mean, like, really, I was, that was, I was impressed with it. Um, but and I, 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 I agree with a lot of that too. Mm-hmm. I think it was the subtlety of it was well done because I think you're dealing. I actually watched. I'm sure you're sick of hearing me say this. I watched a documentary <laughs> called called Hawking that was a documentary narrated by Stephen Hawking about about his life, and so I kind of knew. I I knew what was going to happen in the movie, and like I I knew what to expect. Um. But it was still really refreshing to see it because you're seeing it through through the eyes of two incredibly intelligent people. Because mm-hmm. I think uh, uh, Jane Hawking and and Stephen, obviously Stephen Hawking is the smartest person in the world. Um, but I think his wife Jane was also is also very intelligent, and I think she it shows throughout the film that throughout their marriage she kind of challenged him as a person and as a scientist especially, um, and that she she kind of made sacrifices to certain parts of her life so that his, not just so that they could be married, but so that his career could flourish. Mm -hmm. So it seems like a lot of this incredible mathematical information we have from Stephen Hawking, she's partly responsible for it as well. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I I, I totally think it it deserves a top 10, top five, uh, place. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I agree to disagree, Mike, on, on your points. I, I, I mean, I don't have any really, uh, strong counter arguments against it. Yeah, I think that's a pretty subjective yeah. About it, yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Uh my number two then, we've talked about this. This is our I think our third conversation about it so far. <laughs> uh so we can kind of put to bed Nightcrawler. Oh nice. I almost gave Nightcrawler the number one spot. Right? So it's the ever so creepy satire of skeevy journalism and success story. Who somebody 
oh, I think it was Tiny talked about how uh, the movie was kind of about Jake Gyllenhaal's aspirations, right? And it was kind of a kind of a satire on that. Did somebody say something about that? It was Matt who said that. Actually, sociopathy and uh, ambition. Ambition. Yeah, I, that's so spot on. Um, and played by a lesser talent really could have gone off the rails. But I love that. Um, you know, sociopaths are are known specifically for not, um, <clears throat> like, for being difficult to read emotion wise. And to see someone play that kind of a character with such nuance is is really impressive. Um, I saw Nightcrawler the same night I saw St. Vincent, and I imagine St. Vincent might have made this list had I not watched Nightcrawler beforehand. Uh. Um, Nightcrawler is, is the type of movie that affects you for a little while, and and – um, this is two years in a row where I'm where I'm putting a Jake Gyllenhaal movie in my top ten, not giving it the top spot, but over time thinking that it probably will end up being on one of my favorites of all time list. I just I I really really loved Nightcrawler a lot. Wow, nice. What was the other one? The other Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Uh, Prisoners from. Oh movie. yeah, that's right. Nice. Yeah. Good. Yeah. yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, my number two is Interstellar. And this was my best first viewing of the year. Um, and I was so close to putting it as my number one for the year as well. Um, I, I had, I think, part of the reason why I, like, immediately after I saw it, I was like, best movie of the year, top number one for me. Um, it's just because the theater experience was so fantastic and, and awesome. Uh, we saw it at the State IMAX Theater. Um, and I was kind of bummed going in because I was looking forward to the movie a lot, not not as much as Matt. Um, but we saw it on a Tuesday night, like eight o'clock, and I yeah, was bummed right. because, like, I was like, "Dude, it's Tuesday night. We have to go to work in the morning, and I have to be at work at seven in the morning." And it's just like, you know, it's a two and a half hour movie. Um, but once, like, once it started rolling, I was like, "I don't care anymore." Um, you know, seeing seeing Matthew McConaughey ninety feet tall in front of me was just amazing. Um, okay. So the experience was really good. So maybe that was a, just a, a little bit knee jerk, but still, I thought the movie was just awesome. Um, I, I would put it, I would put it in in league with this with the same in the same league as other space epics. Uh, I thought it was that good. I I loved it. We talked about it a lot already. <laughs> I. And I'm I okay I I I knew that this I knew that Interstellar was going to come up yeah and <laughs> I have to be honest I I was I felt like I felt like my contribution to the Interstellar episode was a little just I don't feel like I got my point quite across yeah you kind of got ganged um, up on in your defense I did and I and I really grew to resent the notion that. That I just had too high of expectations. I mean, I, 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 I actually, I just, I think that that was just blatantly inaccurate from, from your guys' point of view. Um, cause I, I know that I had high expectations, but I can manage those expectations that I have in the past. And this just, Interstellar just did not do it for me. And I, like, I, I knew that this was going to come up and I started, like, at work, I started writing out, like, notes, <laughs> like, notes, and it turned into, like, a, like a blog post pretty much. It was like, <laughs> 300 words before I was like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not going to Bogart the entire episode, but man, it's, I, I've, the more I've thought about it, the just, you know, the more indifferent to it I've been. And, and I, I keep coming back to the idea that science fiction is a good science fiction is 
uh, contemplative. It gives you something to think about, about, about the world, about uh, humanity, all that. It's, it's, that's, that's what good science fiction does. And the only thing that I've thought about with Interstellar since seeing it twice in the theater is one, man, Hans Zimmer's score is so damn good. <laughs> like it's on rotation on my phone, like to music I listen to, like parts of the soundtrack are on that, like that's on point. But the only other thing I've been thinking about is I didn't like this movie that much. I just really didn't. And it's just, mm. um, and I have the, <laughs> I have one thing that like, I'm, I'm like nervous to say it, but it's just accurate. Like I will say that interstellar is my favorite M night Shyamalan movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh jeez. So yeah, I, I'm very curious to see what you guys think about it. When, uh, like, maybe down the line we can talk about it uh, after revisiting it. Mm-hmm. But man, I just, I really like. Uh, I, I've just gotten so tired of of it. I, I don't know. It's, I don't know. <laughs> I think that what. We don't need to spend too much time on this, but no. um, I think when we say when we say that your expectations were too high, what we're reacting to is not that you disliked the movie. You're you're entitled to feel however you want about the movie, and I and I feel the same. You know, over time, my my feelings about it have have kind of kind of waned a little bit. But this reaction is what we're talking about, right? You're so passionate about how much you dislike it. It's it's because of how much you were let down. No, no, it's not. It's because it was not that good of a movie, honestly. Right, but you said more words and had more passion than you than you did about uh, I don't know any of the other ones on your your hated list. I I I had a lot to say about a lot of movies that I didn't like. I and I don't think that saying so much about a movie is indicative of of. That like I mean I wasn't I wasn't really let down by God's Not Dead I was just surprised by it and I wrote a really long blog blog post about it I just it's just it got my ire up because a I mean people people that love Interstellar love this love Interstellar like they really really mm-hmm. love it I'm not gonna take that take that away from anyone at all but I just I just immediately noticed just problems with it like just problems with it that i feel like like when i said that um it's my favorite m9 Shyamalan movie i like if you go back and you see it and you imagine that any other director from of chris ronald i'm not talking about you guys specifically i'm just saying that someone who just gives like the people that are comparing it to 2001 if they go back and they see interstellar and think and and see some of the pieces as um as if any other filmmaker saw it, I feel like they would have a different reaction. I feel like Christopher Nolan gets a lot of credit for being Christopher Nolan. And in Interstellar, he was Christopher Nolan. And it became, for me, a, uh, um, just like, oh, these are his tricks. This isn't good sci-fi. This is just a blockbuster that's trying to be profound but still being a blockbuster. Um Hmm. Yeah, I just I I I just had such a negative opinion of this movie and it's grown since then. And like I haven't and I saw it twice in the theater. And also a little anecdote about seeing Theory of Everything. Theory of Everything was playing in the theater right next to it uh while we were watching Theory of Everything and I could hear the I could hear the music and the sound uh-huh. from the movie and I just felt like that's there's like some kind of metaphor here for for how much I <laughs> disliked Interstellar. Um that was interesting you said what you said about about how it was 
uh, Christopher Nolan doing his thing, mm-hmm. but people thinking it's still profound. And you you didn't you didn't find the the profundity in it. I don't even know if that's a word. I think it is. Um, but I I did. I thought I thought it was still pretty profound, even. Teach their own. Yeah, I just I felt like it was just really. There was a point I was gonna like. Okay, in in the episode, just really briefly, in the episode, we <laughs> talked about the the opening shot of the of the documentary footage and all that, and there was a big kerfuffle in the episode about how that was warranted given the context of the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. But the more I thought about that, like after seeing it, like like the more I thought about it, the more I hated myself for not bringing up this point that that wasn't the case at all. Like the the reason that you guys stated that it was it was there was because to set up a um to to set up uh, a line of dialogue later in the movie but that's not the case at all it's literally there it exists solely so that Christopher Nolan can can call back to it later in the movie in a different context and it's just solely a a um a like oh look how kind of clever i am with this it's because it adds nothing to the exposition because the whole first 45 minutes of the movie is exposition redundant exposition 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 and you don't need all of that and that was just there that's like one little piece of it that just irritated me Hmm. oh well yeah anyway i do feel bad about our episode about it though because we it it was kind of unfair of i will say this i loved 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 having fekas on yeah oh yeah because he's he's a really good friend of ours and and i really loved having him on and we're going to have him on in in later episodes um but i just i just felt like that i didn't articulate myself quite as well well and we probably didn't give you the, i mean there was four of us so there were three of us like i i assume this movie would probably be on fecus's top 10 as well mm-hmm. and it's on mine and mike's but it's not even on your honorable mention so like no. your, your opinion was just so different than ours it just yeah. it just kind of worked out that way and sorry how man. come it wasn't on your worst movies of the year because it wasn't the worst movie I saw. It wasn't. It wasn't the worst movie. It was just. It was like I said. It was Nolan being Nolan, and I like Nolan. I just wanted more profound stuff in it, and he tried to make it profound, but he also tried to make it everything else that that's made him successful. Um, and that was just a huge detriment to the movie for me. Um, yeah. Fair enough. Well, all right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'll, we'll check back and see what you guys think after seeing it again. I'll probably borrow Tiny's Blu-ray when he buys it. Um, <laughs> so you're number two, Matt. So my number two. <laughs> my number two, somewhat ironically, after I just shit on Interstellar, because um, number two, get it? Uh, anyway. Hey. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and, uh, just, I, I, I loved it. Like I said, it's the most fun I had in the theater and rewatching it again was just such a delight and seeing how the actors and, and everything, uh, the, I'll single out one scene cause we've talked ad nauseum about Guardians of the Galaxy. The scene where the Guardians are sitting around talking about their plan yeah. Is like like that scene and a couple other scenes we've hinted at throughout throughout this uh, throughout this episode. Like it makes me want to make oh oh uh, uh, the scene from Nightcrawler with in, at the dinner scene um, at the restaurant. Like those two scenes make me think like okay next year I'm going to start sh- like putting in like my favorite scenes of the year <laughs> because <laughs> there's so much fun like they're so 
like this scene in Guardians of the Galaxy where they're they're all kind of talking about their plan and everything and just the snapping back and forth and it's the perfect display of why these characters work so well together. Mm-hmm. And it's just the way that it ends with with uh Rocket standing up and being like, "Now I'm standing up. We're all standing up. Bunch <laughs> of jackasses." It's just I love it so much. Um yeah, that was great because it's yeah. supposed to be like the really the come up and st- right <laughs> feeling part like bunch of jackasses. Yeah, that's so funny. Uh, and just like like uh, like uh, uh, what's his um uh, Drax says something and then and then uh, Peter says or Star Lord says I literally just said that and he's like well, you did and then he's like yes like two seconds ago I was like oh I wasn't listening I I wasn't paying attention I was thinking of something else just the way it's just. Uh, it was just such a fun movie. I, I loved it so much, and I, I can't wait to see it again, even after less than 24 hours after seeing it. Uh, <laughs> I spent a lot of time, I have spent a lot of time, trying to figure out why I didn't like it more, why I didn't mm-hmm. rate it higher. And I and I just don't know why. I guess for me it's with comic book characters. There's a, a, a half of my enjoyment is out of the familiarity for the characters, and I just have no idea who Guardians of the Galaxy are. And I think that might be why so many people liked it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, it's obviously it's in my top ten, and, and it's and it's really good. But it's not as good as, are we ready for number one? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Captain America, the Winter Soldier. Nice. Yeah. yeah. I said so early on that this was my number one, and it, and it hasn't budged. It's – um. When I think about, like, what are the best superhero movies ever, and, of course, The Dark Knight is, like, the gold standard, and what everybody says about The Dark Knight is that it's a crime thriller that just so happens to feature Batman. Well, Winter Soldier is almost just as good as that, and I would absolutely go as far as saying it's better than The Avengers. Uh, It's a spy thriller featuring Captain America. Um when I talked about Guardians of the Galaxy and the reason I ranked that lower is because of the villain, the exact opposite is the case for Captain America. The titular Winter Soldier is is scary, which is exactly what you want for a villain, especially early on. When he's when he's unmasked, he's a little less scary because he's got such a baby face. But um, <laughs> early on in the film, I, I'm actually scared of the Winter Soldier. And just the stakes are so huge, which you guys mentioned Um I loved the action set pieces, the the fight scenes, the choreography was just brutal, which I thought was so cool. It really, uh, I got I got into a conversation slash argument with a guy from work who said that it would be impossible for like um, he, they didn't do kung fu in in um, World War Two, so why why would Captain America know all those fight moves? And the idea was to show the growth of the character that since then he's been busy learning all these fight moves and um i i heard that the the fight scenes were based on were influenced by the raid redemption which was which was a uh, awesome movie and uh you you really get that feel in captain america winter soldier it is probably my favorite marvel movie um probably my second favorite comic book movie ever um i loved just about everything about the winter soldier it it had everything that a lay person would like and everything a fan would like. One of my complaints about the Avengers was its lack of Easter eggs, and the Winter Soldier had buku Easter eggs. So mm-hmm. um, just everything about it from top to bottom was great. 2014, best movie of the year, Captain America Winter Soldier. Cool. Very nice. Very well said. Thank you. Yeah. I felt like Hydra was the villain. 
and and Winter Soldier was just an arm of Hydra. Sure, yeah, and just and, an arm. That <laughs> <laughs> <I> was unintentional, <laughs> or just one of the heads of Hydra. You, know. uh, you could say that, but I think I think what what's so awesome about the Winter Soldier, it, not only is he in the title, but that he was so effective that I I made that misstep. You know, yeah. Oh, it's just semantics. I mean, it's not. It doesn't have anything to do with the quality of the film. It's just semantics. Right. I was just being a dick, basically. <laughs> well, I mean, you're right. That's. I mean, Hydra brings Shield down. That's the. That's the whole thing. But, um, when when you think of the one villain, it's right. he was scary and awesome. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Probably one of the best defined villains in all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if not the best. Yeah. Oh yeah. Nice. Uh, so my number one. Drum roll, please. Is Guardians of the Galaxy? Um, I just—it was just so much fun. I mean, I had the second best time at the theater with this movie. Uh, the first was Interstellar. Um, man, it was just so much fun. I, 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 I totally agree one hundred percent with what Mike said that the villain was kind of weak. Uh, Ronan was was weak. Was a weak villain. Um, but I feel like he was just kind of a set piece to bring the the characters together, to bring the team together, the Guardians. Um, and, you know, you can still do that character. You can still have that set piece that brings the team together and make it a good character. Um, but it just wasn't the focus of the movie, and so I, I, don't, I don't give it... I don't take too much of a way from it for that. Um, but that's a fair point. Um, and it kind of sets up the future villain, which I... Uh, Thanos, which Thanos. I assume will culminate in the third Avengers movie probably infinity wars part yeah. one and two nice. should be it, I assume it's him <laughs> yeah yeah it is yeah okay but yeah just the the, the coming the, the way that the the group came together was just really incredible um and I think by the end of it there's still it's it was similar to Avengers in that there's still some friction there uh, you know they're not they can work together, but there's still some things that are going to cause rifts between these characters. Um, and I thought that was, that was uh, well done and, uh, refreshing, but, uh, I was so happy to see James Gunn get a huge blockbuster mm-hmm. cause I've been a fan of his for several years. Um, and I think he, man, he, he did as good a job as he did. Well, he did even better than could have been expected in my mm-hmm. book. Um, I was not expecting this much awesomeness from the movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my number one for 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy. Nice. Uh, <laughs> quick anecdote. Uh, walking into work on Thursday, I think it was, uh, the car that parked next to me, the lady in it was listening to what I assume was the was Awesome Mix Volume 1, or she could have just been listening to uh, Come and Get Your Love just by itself. <laughs> but like, I heard that, and like... The rest of the day was just like me having that stuck in my head and thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy because I. That's a good day. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and even in my head, it's playing in my head right now. But um, <laughs> yeah, just so so great. Um, yeah, my I guess it brings it to my number one. Then mm-hmm. uh, I had such a struggle with with defining a number one and defining this list. And I think it kind of came down to being not necessarily underwhelmed with the, with the year overall, but there was no, like I didn't have like an experience with a movie in 2014, like, like Mike had with, with captain America. Uh, 
like nothing really like stood out like, oh my God, this is the best movie of the year. It was all kind of just like, oh, this is a really, really good movie. I really love this movie. The closest I can come to is Guardians of the Galaxy. And the reason why I didn't put it as number one is because it kind of, uh, kind of is a little, um, uh, uh, restrained by kind of Marvel, the Marvel formula, if that makes sense, not to do, not to downplay Marvel's cinematic universe, but they all kind of, a lot of it fit a lot, a lot of those movies fit a certain formula. And, and I think guardians of the galaxy kind of fell into that a little bit, uh, skillfully, but still, uh, so anyway, without further ado, my number one is whiplash. Um, wow. Yeah. It like, (sighs) okay. So I'm I'm at a loss for how to how to describe it. Um Whiplash is just a a really really intense movie. And what's funny about that is that like I to- I told a friend like, "Oh yeah, this this movie about a uh college student who is a jazz uh drummer who's a, an aspiring jazz drummer and it's a really intense movie." And they're like, "Uh, what?" <laughs> and it really is. It's uh, and it's all played through through the performances of J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller, uh, who Miles Teller, I I love him. I I think that he has a, a bright future ahead of him, and he's really really good in this movie. Um, but J.K. Simmons just steals it. I mean, he's he is like you can call his performance intense, but it would be just such a huge inter- uh, understatement because it's in those intense moments where he is drilling into his, cause he, he's a conductor at a, at a prestigious music school. And the, the moments where he's just drilling into just, just horrifying things into these kids that are trying their best at, at performing for him. Um, it's the it's the switch between that and to where he's just kind of okay, like he's he's normal, he's kind of uh, uh, level headed. It's in those moments that he becomes like absolutely terrifying, um, and it, it plays through so beautifully throughout the entire movie because it's juxtaposed with Miles Teller's character being uh, this kid who is so he's not he. He's so consumed by ambition, which is kind of a, an, an interesting uh, commonality between this and uh, uh, Nightcrawler. But he's so consumed by ambition that he is willing to just forsake everything in his life. And it's played through so well. Like he bleeds for his art, both figuratively and literally. And and it all comes to comes to a head in such a really, really great final final uh sequence that is just so beautiful and so i was left kind of blown away by it um mm-hmm. and it's something that i'm still collecting my thoughts about and and thinking about and just that final that final sequence is so i don't know how else to describe it other than jarring and such a such a highly satisfying payoff to a movie that built up to such I'm at a loss for words. <laughs> uh yeah, I I don't know. It it just built up so much to such a strong final moment that really paid off well. Wow. Didn't see it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't either. Really yeah, I really want to now. Yeah. I know, and I'm I was really trying to weave through the stuff, but yeah. 
I mean, like I, and I, I like I like I mentioned, like nothing really stood. Out, no movies really stood out to me this year. But my God, this year, in terms of best actor, best actor performances, I mean, J.K. Simmons, Jake Gyllenhaal, Eddie Redmayne, he, any of those three could get the best actor win. Kevin Sorbo. I would be. Oh God, damn it. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, Sorry. Anyway, any three of those people could could get the best actor, and I would be like, all right. Yep, that was completely warranted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Wow. I really liked Whiplash. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah, you're not alone. People really are loving this movie. Yeah. Yep. I'm excited to see it. Yeah, I'm excited to hear what you guys think about it. Um, That's a drawback of doing these episodes is that you can't see everything. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you God. Know. Like, And I know, Mike, I know you You and I both wanted to see Foxcatcher. Oh, I and can't wait. Tiny, to you did too. Yeah, yeah. I have a funny story about going to see Foxcatcher. Just really quickly, I it was a week ago on a Sunday. I drove to Keystone Art on the north side, and I was trying to see Foxcatcher, but there was like no parking, and I was so frustrated. And like that was the one chance I had to see Foxcatcher before the new year, and I didn't get to see it. Uh, um, was it last Sunday? Yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. So it was. It was. I didn't get to see it. Uh, it has. It has not been around here. There's. Uh, you know, um, I'm at the point where I'm willing to pay $20 for the DVD today for a digital copy today that I wanted to see it so bad. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling that's gonna that would be in my top ten. Because, yeah, yeah. I wrestled for many years, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's that's what I'm so excited about to see it is that I don't know much of anything about it yeah. except for it has something to do with wrestling and Steve Carell is in it. Yeah, uh, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much it. Right, like Steve Carell, Channing Tatum, and Mark Ruffalo. Yeah, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, are there any other movies in 2014 that you guys missed out on that you are hoping to circle back on? Uh, this is where I leave you. Is one I wanted to see. Um, and you guys were talking about that one a lot. Men, Women, and Children. I didn't really care to see all that much. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Whiplash, Foxcatcher. Those were the big two. Uh, I'm looking through my list. Sorry, Tiny. What about you? Yeah, um, Whiplash and uh, um, American Sniper I wanted to see pretty bad. I don't know if that'd be a top ten movie. I kind of doubt it, not to take anything away. But uh, I hear Bradley Cooper's phenomenal in it. Um, yeah. Oh, Selma? Yeah, Selma. I wanted to try to see that before this. I, I mean, I'll definitely see it before the Oscars, but, uh, you know. I hear it's very controversial. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, and The Imitation Game. Yeah. Yeah. I Yeah. I really want to see that too. I never watched the Zero Theorem either. Oh yeah, me neither. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It maybe I'll through the cracks. Yeah, maybe I'll check it out. I don't think that had a really that big of a release either. No, it didn't. Um, I'll ch- I'll check that out now that I'm kind of going through a sci-fi phase. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to go through a sci-fi. Phase. <laughs> I'm going through a sci-fi phase. Um, like I have a whole list of movies, but anyway, uh, the movies I missed in 2014 that I really wanted to want to make a priority in this early 2015 is uh, the imitation game, Birdman and Foxcatcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have others, but those are the three that I'm really looking forward to checking out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you guys want to talk about just really, really quickly kind of leave off on uh movies we're looking forward to in 2015? Any off the top oh, of your geez. head? <laughs> yeah. Star uh, I mean, Wars. Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what's funny is I have a whole list and I didn't even put Star Wars on it. Oh, I mean, oh I didn't. Damn yeah. it, Maddie. 
Uh, yeah, I, I got nothing. Of course, Avengers, which is that, does that kind of kick off the summer? Is that in like May? It's in May, but I mean, now summer's kind of relative. Like it's yeah. March, April ish. But is that the, I can't remember if that's the first big movie, though. I can't remember. I think yeah. it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, April is uh, Furious 7. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> Are you going to drag me to the theater to see that? I won't make you go. I think I'm actually going to do a franchise review on the site for it. I have a girlfriend now. I'll drag her. Ah, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's why we have him. Or yeah? Greg. He loves that franchise. Our friend Greg. Oh, yeah. From We Are Libertarians. Yeah. Um... Really quickly, the movies I'm looking forward to in 2015 are just in order of release date. Uh, Hot Tub Time Machine 2, Serena, which has my wife Jennifer Lawrence in it. Uh, I'm kind of nervous about it because I think it was supposed to come out Oscar season, kind of Monuments Men kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it got pushed back, so I don't. I'm not. I don't have very high expectations. But the trailer looks really good. Uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron, Ex, Ex Machina. Uh, uh, what's what's his name? Uh, Alex Garland's directorial debut. I love him from his writing from uh, Twenty Days Later and uh, Sunshine, nice. one of my favorite movies ever. Hopefully, that's not a Wally Fister transcendence situation. Yeah. Uh, Everest. I don't know much about it. The Walk. Uh, Robert Zemeckis and Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I saw a teaser for that yesterday. It's such an uh, such an effective teaser. Yeah, yeah it's really good. Uh, yeah. Uh, shaky, shaky. Uh, looking forward to Vacation. I think that'll be fun. Yeah. Uh, just because Ed Helms, I think, is is a strong enough presence to to kind of make it watchable, I guess. Uh, Spectre, the new Bond that I'm hoping to get my Bond 50 project finally finished. I stopped kind of halfway through the set. <laughs> Does that come out next year? Late next year. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, and finally, The Martian. I got the I got the book, The Martian, uh, as, a, as a gift from uh, Lauren from uh, ObsessiveBookNerd.com. Uh, and I'm, I'm so excited to, to read it and then also check out the movie. Cool. Yeah. Uh, the, the book actually starts out the best opening line I've read in a book since, well, in a, in a while. Um, it starts out with, well, I'm pretty much f***ed. Because <laughs> um, it's about a guy stranded on Mars. Nice. Um, yeah. So those are mine. Good year. Yeah. Any others you guys are looking forward to? Anything? Uh, you pretty much named them. Yeah. Star Wars, man. Star the year Wars. of Star Wars. Yeah. I'm looking for. Have I'm... you felt it? The dark side and the light. Light. Sorry. I'm so looking forward to just <laughs> talking about it. <laughs> no, this is going to be a long year. For a year. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about it for a year. Yeah. No, I think I think we I think we can come up with some pretty fun Star Wars themed episodes later in the year, I think. They'll be <laughs> oh, fun. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And my girlfriend's never seen any of the original movies. Really? So I'm gonna I'm gonna force her to watch all six. Nice. So that's gonna be fun over the next year. Oh, I plan to watch all six before yeah. the new one. Yeah. Um yeah, so is that about it? Does that about cover everything? Yeah. <laughs> that is everything. Yeah. It's a comprehensive look back at 2014. It is. And man, we're getting kind of uh like this is kind of a thing now. <laughs> like I mean, I know. Cuz we for those uh, quick plug, uh check out uh Mike and I's uh, friends retrospective. It's a 3-hour retrospective on on friends. Uh yeah. I was I was pretty proud of that one. Yeah, tune in next week for an episode we promise to be no longer than fifty six minutes. <laughs> I would kind of welcome that because I still. You know. yeah. yeah, yeah. I listened right, to the Friends nice episode, time. by the way. Nice, liked it a lot. Nice. Yeah, uh, we Thanks. missed you. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, well, anyway, thanks for listening, guys. I hope you guys all had a good uh, 2014 in movies. Uh, I will be on uh, our friends at the the Nerds You're Looking For podcast in the coming weeks for their 2014 in review episode. So check that out. And also, thank you to everyone who supported us in 2014. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, here's thank to, you guys so much for listening. Yeah, here's to uh, 2015. Here we go. 2015, yes. Yeah. The year of Jar Jar. All right, see you guys later. <laughs> Ugh. Yes, my number five is... I kind of feel bad about it, but... um... Oh, I accidentally accidentally activated that, did I? Is that you beeping? It's Tiny's laptop. Oh, boy. That's really obnoxious. <laughs> I was wondering why you did it. It's four eight fifteen. <laughs> it's uh on his on whatever it's called. It's a uh, dashboard. Dashboard. It's an app. It's thing. a lost app. Yeah. Okay. B roll. Take it from the top. <laughs> yeah. So. Thank you for downloading or streaming the latest episode of the Obsessive Viewer Podcast. The music you heard at the top of the episode and right now is provided by Loudlike. Their EP, Mistakes We Must Make, features our theme song and Eclipse of Events. You can find that on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review them and us uh, and let us know what you think. Also, uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer. Follow us on Twitter at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at White. And also check out obsessiveviewer.com for reviews of movies, TV shows, and industry commentary. Uh, also, check out obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews and commentary on the evolving world of reading. And also Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, is a podcast exploring the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and at thesecularperspective.com. Finally, you can email us at matt, tiny, or mike at obsessiveviewer.com or email the podcast directly at podcast at obsessiveviewer.com. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next week.